0: Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. We use it and here's how it works.
1: Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify
2: and everywhere else podcasts are heard.
0: You nailed that line, Kratty. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. AJ, what else? With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in
1: a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch.
0: That's true. And ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we've been connecting with fans more with polls and instant feedback. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. FC live. I don't even know what day it is, but it's the day after the World Baseball Classic. The Hangover. Trout Otani actually happened. Fraser Kratz, Przinsky, Scotty Braun. Who was the most excited out of this group to see Trout against Otani? Who do you think?
1: Me. You? Because I predicted it was going to happen yesterday, to end the game. I predicted Trout would get a hit to win the game, if you remember. But unfortunately, he punched out on just a filthy slider. But yeah, hell yeah, I was. I you were was...
0: more excited than Fraser. is raising his hand. Listen,
3: I couldn't wait for it. I I woke my son up for this opportunity. It was the craziest. I said, Bud, wake up. You might never see something like this again. It was the coolest thing in the world. You know, Tani got the best of him. He gave him two fastballs to hit. He didn't get them. He challenged him. This is what baseball is about. AJ, put that number one down. Let's go, baby. And it was
1: just fantastic to watch. Nope. Kratzy, tell him he called the right pitch. You know why? Because he punched his ass out. Well, that's
2: true. Always the right pitch when you get the K. But, I mean, you guys got to tell me, I didn't stay up for the game. It seemed like a really boring game. Nobody was <laughs> paying attention to it. That was awesome. Like, that's – shoot. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. You guys hit it on the nose. I mean, if A.J. wants to be the most excited, great. Right. But we – I mean, it, it really doesn't matter. I'm excited for what, what that does to baseball. I mean, it is the stage. It is – they need to come up with this at the All-Star game. Two best players, just a -a mano-a-mano at bat and see what happens.
0: Well, let's make it count. I mean, in the future, this has been thrown out there. Do we do, like, the quarters, semis, and finals for, like, a four-day span in the middle of the season? No. No? Can't. Why? You think players don't play now? They won't play then? No.
1: You're telling me now, at least if someone gets hurt now, which unfortunately happened, like Jose Altuve, right? He's out two months. Yep. Let's say he that happens at the All Star break when people are talking about doing this, and he's out till the end of the regular season or past the end of the regular season and misses the postseason. Like that affects.
0: Yeah, but he plays more in the All Star game. So what's the difference? That's one apparently. game
1: though. You take a chance. This isn't like a three game thing. And also, let's be honest: the All Star game is a true exhibition game. Yeah, I mean, I know they tried to make it count for a while for the home field, but like, no, like there, this is the best time to do it. You can't do it after the season because. They have the whole postseason, and then pitchers shut it down for that month. That's kind of like when the, the MLB Players Association sends teams over to, like, Japan and Korea and all this to play. Pitchers aren't ready. The position players have an easier time getting ready. And so there's no better time to do it than this. There's really no great time, but this is the best.
0: Even if you gave them a lot of money because yes. they don't make shit right now? Yeah. For this game. They make plenty in real life, most of them.
1: What are you going to pay them? How much could you possibly Remember pay?
0: the slam dunk competition? Don't they pay the winner a million bucks now? And who does the slam dunk? That dude went viral. He was okay. great.
1: But who won the slam? Who was in the slam dunk competition the last
0: three years? That's a superstar. It was LeBron. Bef- it the was. last three years. I'm kidding. <laughs> was, I don't I even don't know that. I know the, the guy. Dude's who was the guy? who Won? He was a minor leaguer. Seth McClung. McClung. Seth McClung. No, not Seth. That was a pitcher. Seth McClung was on the Brewers, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, w- it guy, was yeah. McClung. He was the in the D League. Won won. Mac. Mac McClung. The
1: guy that won's not even in the NBA. He's in the G League.
2: Yeah, there. but he won. He won Player of the Year for the G League. Like, oh, let's put a little something on his name. Exactly.
1: I mean, that's like winning the Player of the Year in Double A. I mean, and then getting to play in the Home Run Derby. You can have. I, I'd i love to see it. Get everybody
2: out there. It's an exhibition, man. Let, let the boys. Let the winner of college. Let the winner of High A, Double AA, A, Triple A, go up against all the dudes in the, in you know, in the Big League All Star Game. We want to see it. Sell the
1: game. That's, that's also, Kratzy, not a great idea. But Why? we're going to stop there. Why? That, you're going to have an A-ball team play a big league team? No, no he's no, no, saying no, 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 no. for the derby. Home run he's derby. saying home run take derby? the best yeah. guy in, in each line Yeah, because, again, they have a hard enough time now because getting a ton of guys to do the home run derby. Because, they one, people think it messes up your swing. They don't want to get hurt, right? Pujols hurt his back in it last year. And then and – then, you got know got pool better pool holes and it got off. yeah <laughs> and then
0: went off sometimes guys go off remember 2 years ago Juan Soto I remember he was like I'm feeling off and then he he was on yeah the rest of the Todd year Todd
2: knows about Todd knows about the home run derby I was tired man At the end of the year
3: I was tired everybody's like oh it's going to ruin your swing but we've been swinging and trying to hit home runs our whole life I don't care what you say people are like oh you're going to ruin your swing now but we do that in the last two rounds in BP It's not gonna ruin your swing. I was just absolutely drained. Other than that, it was the best thing in the world, man. I had such a blast.
0: Praise you just went from 35 to 25, by the way, with the clean shave today. Gotta point it out. I appreciate
3: that, man. I'm, I'm looking at Eric Kratz over there looking money. But, um, yeah, so I just changed it up, man, trying to get, get rid of all the bad juju around me and just go go to work, man. And <laughs> wifey don't like it, but I told her, hey, listen, the hair's going to grow back. There's yeah, no don't it worry grows back me. quick. She You're doesn't like the
2: clean shave?
3: Nah, she used to. She used to, but um, she likes the shaggy look a little bit. So um, I'll, I'll get it back for her. Don't you worry. Yeah, hairs are for go. people that need to cover something up. Well, we could talk I'm about not, that another I mean, time.
1: What are we covering up?
2: Exactly. What are you covering up? What are you not telling us about?
0: Listen, if I told you you that I'm covering up that Miles Michaelis is coming on today. I forgot to tell everyone. Evan Drellick from The Athletic is coming on today. Michaelis, I think, has a lot of hair. Uh, Yes, please subscribe. And let me try and stay focused for at least 10 minutes here because I think Michaelis is going to join us in about 10. So a lot to unravel here. More on Trout Otani. How about the game for a second, though? It was an amazing moment for baseball overall. Like, to get a matchup like that, incredible. The whole world watching, it was about much more than just what's going on in the United States, right? I mean, Japan, it's like 90-something percent of the TVs there were watching this game. At the same time, for the USA, they lost. And their offense did not perform in the biggest stage in a game like this. Now, Japan can pitch. Clearly they can scratch together some runs and they have pop. I think more pop than we've seen probably from team Japan in this tournament ever. So how much disappointment do you think there is from team USA players? Or do you think they look at it and said, I had a great freaking time. It's all good. Yeah, I, I think, honestly,
3: I think they're disappointed. I think it's something that they thought they were going to win. Um, but I think it's a great experience as well, though. I mean, you can look on both sides. They definitely wanted to win. You saw the, how crazy they were getting, how excited it was. But to be in that atmosphere, to understand you're playing for your country, I, you know, it, I, I was mad, too, because playing in the Olympics, Japan beat us 2 nothing to get the gold medal. And now, next thing you got, I'm like, dude, you win it for me today. Come on, man, let's get it back there. But Japan's good, man. You got to give them credit. They have really good players, really good pitching. And it's something we got to talk about too, you know, getting, getting good starters in there or even better starters to, you know, finally play in this World Baseball Classic. I think that's something that we need to get
1: on, you know, 2026. Well, the Japanese, they practice for this. They get ready for this. They have organized practices for the World Baseball Classic, whereas the U.S. team, they go to spring training, they come together literally three days before the tournament, and they try to get together and do their, their thing. And, yes, we need better pitchers. But, I mean, listen, Lance Lynn's been an all-star. Miles Michaelis has been an all-star. These guys have been all-stars. You know, the the bullpen guys. I mean, Ryan Presley's closed out World Series. These guys have done some things. It's not like these guys are just no-name guys. But if you want to have a true best team competition, yeah, let's get our best guys starting pitching-wise. I mean, I think what was the number, the top 10 Cy Young vote-getters didn't pitch for the U.S. or something.
0: I think it was like top 16 or something, yeah, something like crazy. that. Yeah, crazy.
1: So there's, there's more to be had there, but it was just a great exi- – I, I hate to use the word exhibition. No, it wasn't it. an exhibition. I know, but that's – I don't know. I don't know. A better word, a great example of how good baseball is. When the right top players play, they care, and, and they're there for their country. And you look down, like, Todd, you played in the Olympics. Eric, you played for USA. When you look down you see the USA across your chest – that is just different than what any other thing you can do because that's your heritage that's where you're from and and these guys care the J- Japanese care and I think I think the one thing we should take away is yes Japanese guys are great they can really pitch uh, and I think we also need to discuss the pitch clock if they had to play with the pitch clock <laughs> dude it would I mean the Japanese pitchers couldn't pitch it was like a minute between every pitch like you
0: say mad text. Dude, like, nice night. it took the game took four hours. It was three to two because I think they were freezing them out sometimes because it took so long. I'm like, can we can we hurry this up just a little bit? It was bad in my mind, and we've that's the thing is I we've all dealt with games like that where a pitcher is just slow as can be. Felt like almost every pitcher for Team Japan took forty seconds between every pitch, mm. and now it stands out even more. But. But like they were almost freezing them sometimes like every pitch. It was just such a long wait kind of dragged the game down for a little bit. And I think took some momentum away from team USA.
2: No doubt. I I completely agree. And I, that was definitely a strategy. You can't sit there and say, you know, it wasn't one of their strategies because that's, but that's how they play their game. I'd mentioned it before about how Cuba, they used to do that. You know, when they were good, they would slow the game down and, you know, if they had the pitch clock, who knows if they'll implement that into WBC. I don't think it would be fair unless Japan, you know, and other countries that have superstars playing in other leagues, unless they get used to it, I don't think it would be fair. But I I didn't care that it was long, but I thought it was a really good use of the strategy when when it did work. I mean, it's, it's – and I, th- I think we've made so much about the starting pitching, you know, the main guys – Pitching held up, you know. In this winner-take-all game, the hitters didn't come through. You know, two runs isn't most likely isn't going to be enough. I mean, you could you could have thrown Burns out there, Scherzer out there, Verlander out there, and you know they could have given up three runs, and to me, it would have been a successful game.
1: Yeah, but it's not about like who. I think it's more about the perception of those guys not pitching than it actually is that they weren't there. I mean, Merrill Kelly. Through okay, right? Freeland actually did a great job for USA. And I and we talked about this yesterday that maybe he was the one that could have started because with Ken Rosenthal, he said he was an option, right, because of the lefty bats for the Japanese team. And he came in and did a great job. And then, you know, I mean, yeah, the hitting didn't hit, but also Japan had guys lined up. Like it was like boom, boom, boom. Nobody got to see a guy a second time, right? They're like one time through, then boom, we're out, right? And, they're, and, and one thing also, the lefties were throwing some of our lefty splits. We know Cedric Mullins is a great player. I know. I think Kyle Tucker was banged up. That's why he didn't play. Right? There's some. There's some other things that you're like. Wait. You know. Still,
0: that offense should win.
1: It, but great pitching, great beats great offense. Yeah. Right. And their pitching was dominant the whole tournament, pretty much. I mean, no, their pitch Every ridiculous. guy that ran out there
0: was pretty good. But also, they're using Darvish and Otani at the end well, of the that's game. That's the thing. See, they handled it differently. They care them. more. Not that I'm not talking I don't about want the to players. Say they care. I'm, ta- more. I'm talking about the organization, right? Okay. Like if you call them a ball club, they care more because there's no restrictions. Like Shohei Otani goes, "Oh, hey Angels, what you want yeah, me to do? Psh, psh, you're breaking up. I don't care." No, but they came out and said it though. The Angels came out and said it. Yeah, because he's gonna do whatever he wants. Either way, and if even I'm a Darvish.
1: Player, but the Padres, I think, came out and said Darvish might not be ready for opening day because he didn't get to pitch on his every fifth day.
0: That's how much he cares. I agree, and I'm could, all for that. Guess what? Once you agree to play in the WBC, sure, there's a limit. If you start one day, you're not going to pitch five innings the next day or something. But just like the playoffs, can you treat it that way? Where a few days later you can pop up for one, two, three. Lance innings Lynch, or he bullpen. wanted to? Lance Lynn did. Can we show that tweet? By the way, if we have it. While we're talking about this, Lance Lynn said it. Pedro Graffole, manager of the Chicago White Sox, our, our guy Scott Merkin, who writes on the White Sox every day, said Graffole on Lynn pitching for Team USA tonight, quote, he's not available. And I think there's a video out there. Foul territory. Somebody asked, uh, hey, Otani is thinking of closing the game. I'll have to make a call to Rick. And then <laughs> Graffole goes, he's not available tonight. Contractually, can a team actually say that? Because you get the insurance mm, policy. Yes. Well, they can. I don't. I don't think know they about can.
1: contractually, but they can pretty much tell you like you ain't pitching, you ain't playing. And I think now I don't know this. We talked about this. Kyle Tucker was a little bit banged up, so maybe that's why Cedric Mullins played. I mean, I know Cedric Mullins hit a home run, but but Tucker kills lefties, and they started a lefty, so you would think they would want Tucker out there. This yeah, isn't but a knock on Cedric Mullins at all. But the team, the team at the end of the day, and you guys, you know, again, you guys played for USA kind of when you're still playing, so. But they can tell you – they'll tell you. They'll call you and say, hey, because I know in 06, when I was supposed to play on the first WBC, the White Sox shut me down. They said, you can't play because we were coming off the World Series. So They told you no? They told – Buck, if Buck Martinez said, was the manager. I not know he, this news. Buck Martinez called me, and he said, hey, I want you to play on our team. And we had just won the World Series in 05. And 06 was the first World Baseball. And I said, okay, let me think – because it was new. So I was like, let me think about this here for a minute. And then I called him back two days later and I said, I'm in. And he said, Well, the White Sox said no because of the World Series, so I have to get someone else. No shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. So did you think
2: about calling the White Sox?
1: Again, I it mean, was you new. know that. You know the organization at the time. Better. Yeah, like- but at the time it was new. It was the first year, right? So nobody really the players didn't embrace it the way they do now. It wasn't what it is now. Right. Right? If if it was now, I would have called and fought. Yes. At the time, I was like, ah, what is this thing going to be? Like, cause it was, you remember the games were played in spring training sites and it wasn't like, I remember the U S played South Africa, like Scottsdale stadium in spring training. Like it wasn't like they weren't playing at chase field. So it was kind of like, eh, what is this thing? Like, what is this stupid thing? And now you look back and say, damn, I wish you would have played. Cause then I look at the team. It was Clemens, Griffey, Chipper, you know, in 06. And it was like, man, this is, this is something I should have done. So the team can absolutely tell you what to do. Cause at the end of the day, you're paid by the team, not by the World Baseball Classic.
0: Yeah, so you, Darvish, just signed a nice hefty deal with the San Diego Padres. He's not going to be ready for opening day. He's paid by the team. Why does he get to pitch? Not fair. Not fair. If he gets to pitch, it's Frazier's laughing. Were, Frazier, Frazier called you and get him on, and we'll
1: ask him.
3: I mean, I thought the game was over when he came in because they a lot of guys seen him before. After Schwarber hit that home run, I said, here we go. And then... We got Trey Turner with the single, and we swing at two first pitches. I mean, that that wasn't the smart move, but it's baseball. We move on. It was a great, great uh, classic game. All of them were classic. USA did their best. Fortunately, they didn't win. On to the next one. Now we got Major League Baseball coming up,
1: boys. Here we go. How about Mookie how about, uh, Betts? What about him? Lead-off, uh, lead-off runner off Otani, Walk, McNeil, our boy. Yesterday we talked to him, right? Lead off Mookie Betts, double play. How many times have you seen that? He do not hit too many double plays. He does not. Sure. Never, I mean, never. double play, and then Trout comes up without a chance to give him the lead. He comes up, you know, he has to try to basically go deep, and Otani freaking – Or you
4: can set the table. You can get yeah, on. But dude, he was going up there. He's like,
1: I need to yep. – I'm Captain America. I'm the captain of this team. I need to go deep for the boys. Yeah. And Otani, 102. I mean, he was 100, 102, 101, 101. And then,
0: Sweeper. That was nasty.
1: I give that Trout credit because most people would have just, boo buckled. He, he, he tried to foul it off. That was nasty. There's no – I mean,
2: I told my sons, I was like, he's going to hit 102 this at bat. He came up short, point, point 0.4 away, but holy cow, that was that was unbelievable. Like, to see those two guys, the only two outcomes that I needed there were a strikeout or a homer. If he walked, it would have been so boring. That would have been the, like – there would have been there would have been some analytic nerds that would have been like, oh, that's so tremendous that trout walked right there. No, Otani. <laughs> Otani. It looked like he had a smirk on his face that he was gonna he was going after him. And some people were like, oh, well, you know, he didn't throw him the heater. No, he went he went after him. That slider started in the zone. Looked like it swept about
0: seventeen to twenty inches. I mean, it was unbelievable. Good thing is there's going to be many of those matchups in the future. Trout even said it. He got me in round one. Trout yep. even knows he's leaving. Well, Trout already said he's coming back in 26. He already said it. He's like, I'm back in 2026. But I read between the lines and go, yeah, because they're going to go <laughs> off against each other starting next year when Otani's yeah. a Dodger or some other ball club. You the, know it. Is this the he's, best? He's
3: going he's gonna to be with the Mets. Watch out. I'm calling it right <laughs> oh, now. Geez. Really? I mean, Cohen's going to have
0: it. to find a couple more billion to commit
1: with this payroll. That's just uh, – I'm I'm feeling Mets. Let's well, go. I, yeah, well, maybe he only needs Dodgers. a half a billion. Watch the Dodgers because yep. they have they didn't do anything this offseason, and they are saving the money for when he becomes – because, you know, he's really two players in one. So watch out for the Dodgers. But is there, an, is there a matchup ever that people are this excited for? Like an individual matchup where it's like, okay, this guy is facing this guy with this on the line, and it's a one-time shot.
3: I think only one I could think
2: of is Gagne versus Bonds at one time. I'm trying to think of other matchups. But I mean? I remember Randy Johnson versus McGuire. I remember that was like, I mean, they were they were matching up more than that, but you know, you see the viral video of Mark McGuire hitting one to the moon off of Randy Johnson. Jose Canseco, I think he took, but that's not
1: quite the same. Yeah, but this was this, because they're teammates, so you don't get to see mm-hmm. it, right? And then it's all—it's not. This was a one-time, one game. Winner take all shot, right? That it came down to the two, probably the two best players in baseball on the same team. Yep. They've never faced each other. I'm sure they probably took live BP off each other, where Trout got to hit off Otani, where he was telling him what was coming. Uh, For me, it was that was what made it. It was the one time winner take all game on the line. It wasn't like it was 10 to 1. I mean, this was a one run game, and Otani's like, hit this 102 mile an hour fastball, and he threw it by him, and then the the bat with the Gagne Bonds. That was a regular season. At-bat. I was on the team that year, and there's a whole backstory we can get into about that at bat where Bonds took him deep. But there's like a whole, Japan's involved. There's a whole like backstory of that whole at bat. Can you, you go. tell Back us backstory. that later? We can talk about help. it later. It's a great backstory. And I remember being on the bench saying, This is the greatest at bat I've ever seen. And there you he go. ended up going deep. And if you haven't seen the clip, get on my Twitter. I, I tweeted it a couple weeks, a few, I don't know, a week or so ago about. The greatest at-bat I've seen in person was that at-bat. That at
0: your Twitter's blowing up, by the way. Yeah, thank you, gained, you. You gained four figures of, of
1: Thank you, Chuck Garfine and White fans. Sox fans. Thank yeah,
0: you. tell the White Sox to hook you up. That's what teams do. White Sox need to have your back.
1: Well, opening day we'll now. have Ah,
0: there you go. Oh, A little sneak peek of what AJ <laughs> will be doing on opening day, maybe. Hey, let's bring in Miles Michaelis from Team USA, St. Louis Cardinals veteran starter joining us looking uh looking fresh in the car and the, the connections actually fantastic miles yeah, how was your guys. last couple of weeks how you doing man
5: good good sorry for the impromptu road trip you know we lost you know unfortunately we lost last night and i got to get back up to get back up to jupiter and my family and you know get ready for another i feel like tomorrow will be my first day of spring training all over again
1: so Miles, you're just driving home, right? Because you're from Jupiter. You were born in Jupiter. I mean, you've lived your whole life in Jupiter. Now you're a cardinal in Jupiter. I mean, you, yep. you should have just stayed at home instead of staying at the hotel at Team USA. You would have been like, it's oh, another game. <laughs> no, it's
5: still a, it's still like a like a hour and a half, two hour drive if you get some traffic. So I don't wanna get I don't wanna get stuck in that, you know, especially late at night. So it's easier for me to just, you know, stay in the hotel. But we had some off days down here. We I went back up with the family and, you know, get them all settled back in. My kids missed like almost the entire month of month of school because we were in Arizona and then this week is their spring break. So they've been really enjoying this too. And
1: Miles, tell us about last night, like the atmosphere. I know you're disappointed you guys lost, but what was it like being on the field? What was the, the last at bat like? What were the guys like in the dugout? I mean, we're obviously disappointed, but after the game, did anybody talk, say anything, you know, that we needed to hear about? Um, I mean, we'll start with uh, you
5: know with the game that last inning. I thought, I thought when McNeil walked, I thought we were going to get him. I thought we had him. Um, you know, I was I was smiling, getting ready to 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 go nuts, and then you know that that ground ball double play. Double plays are always heartbreakers, you know, rally killers. And but that last at bat, I mean, if if I could trick myself into believing you could somehow rig an entire baseball tournament for one at bat for, for one pitch, I'd have believed that they somehow rigged it for, for that matchup at the end of the game. You know, like you said, full count, two outs, one run game, you know, you're, you're two way star and you're, you know, MVP all-star guy, same team, like biggest faces in the game. You, you couldn't have, have planned it any better. And, it was just, it was fun to watch. And, you know, huge shout out to all the fans that came to all those games. The, the game against Mexico and Arizona, the game against Venezuela and Miami. I mean, the Cuba in, in last night's game, the, the fans were electric and just made the whole thing so much fun. Um, you know, I think the World Baseball Classic took a step forward this year. You know, getting some, you know, more, you know, the, the they got the best players in the world this year. Uh, for the most part, and I think it was great.
3: Hey, Miles. Um, question for you. I know you played over in Japan. Uh, what did you learn over there when after you pitched there and came back to America? And did you um, help out any of the hitters, uh, explain to them what they might pitch here? And, and you know, perfect example of you know Mike Trout at the end there. Nasty curveballs, nasty uh, split finger fastballs. So, is there anything that you you told the hitters at all?
5: No, I mean, the, those hitters are – our lineup was so good. They're beyond any tips from <laughs> from a hitter like me. Um, and they had scouting reports on all those guys. I mean, obviously, Otani and Darvish are guys that they've seen before. And when you're when you're facing guys that you haven't seen before, you know, at the beginning of the game with um, the, the lefty and then they had some other relievers come in throwing real hard. I mean, anytime you face a guy with a good fastball that you've never seen before, I mean, that's tough and to try to guess the last thing I want to do is hitters like hey this is how they're gonna pitch you, and then have it not work out like that and then feel like it was my fault somehow that they were they were looking for fastballs or looking for breaking balls um the only thing I've, I I think I told the hitters was that if they could put some good swings on some of the younger uh younger pitchers from team Japan kind of like like with any team you know if you could put some good swings on on a young kid you can kind of scare him out of the zone a little bit and you know maybe maybe draw some walks which i think we did after after trey's home run early i think he might have walked the next guy or had some trouble throwing strikes for a batter or two but i mean that's that's a lot of young kids you get a rookie in the game put some good swings on you you can scare those guys out um i mean it's they got so much talent on that team over there in Japan. I just wish more of those guys could, could come over here to the MLB.
2: Yeah, no doubt. You uh are you gonna tell Rob Manford to piss off next time? Because he said in a he said in a some interview, he said, Yeah, I really like for you know some of the better pitchers to come out here. You were the best pitcher for team USA. You can you're gonna tell them to piss off because <laughs> you're like, dude, we got good pitchers. Like, I'm a boss. Like, I like you. How do you how do you feel about that? How did you starting pitchers like everyone's like oh we need this guy we need this guy like look what I've done because you you carried the starting staff.
5: I mean you you can go up and down that that pitching staff and look at the accolades. I mean you know there's all stars, Gold Glove winners. I mean you know Wayne Red's resume speaks for itself. Um, regardless of what you know Rob Manfred wants, you know the everyone wants to see the stuff guys that throw her hard, but we had a great pitching staff. And I think it it, it showed in that last game I mean, against the Japanese. Great lineup, you know, Cuba, Venezuela, those are great lineups. And, you know, I thought, I thought they want to see offense, right? I mean, doesn't, (laughs) doesn't, (laughs) doesn't the league guys want to see more offense. Um, But no, we had a great pitching staff and, you know, yeah, there were guys that, you know, there were, were top tier guys that didn't play for whatever reason, and their their teams won't let them play a lot of the time. So, I don't know why why Manfred would be trying to knock on the players. He should be knocking on the teams for for not letting them play. I know there's a you know there's a handful of guys I won't name names, but handful of guys that would have loved to play, and their team said you know they politely said we'd rather you not, which is their way of saying no, you're not playing. Um, You know, young guys that are still under team control, you know, teams can kind of say, hey, that's not what we want you to do. And, you know, those young guys that aren't on contracts, they're kind of forced to listen to them. Um, But I don't think it really comes down to the players. I know there's a lot of guys that that wanted to play that kind of couldn't.
0: Miles, here's the one problem I have based on what you're saying. You, Darvish, might not be ready fully and stretched out for opening day based on what he just contributed in the WBC and he just signed a big contract with the Padres like he's putting it all out there. So I just, I'm just trying to balance who this is on because like clearly the Padres either were okay with it or he hung up the phone and said, I'm going to do what I want.
5: Yeah. Well, when you're a guy like Darvish, you can do that. But if you're a guy that's, you know, maybe not even ARB eligible or your first year arbitration, it's a little harder for you to tell your team to go, um, you know, to go jump in the pool or whatever, you know, whatever analogy you want to make. It's, it's, it's tougher for, a a 25, 26 year old guy to do that. When, you know, if the Padres said, fine, you know, fine, you go do whatever you want, you know, that guy's, you know, he's already set for life. He doesn't have to worry about that. You know, the contract for him is, you know, it's more money in the bank, but he's not, he's not trying to please someone looking for his first big payday. So there's definitely older guys that have some seniority that have the ability and the, you know, the savvy and the the wherewithal to be able to tell a team, hey, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, ready or not, I'm doing it. And other other guys can't, you know, don't have that luxury.
0: Hey, let me ask you about your teammates, Miles. Apparently, there was an epic group chat. And I heard Kyle Tucker, who's not the loudest dude, had like the sneaky, amazing uh, gifs. So... What kind of lifelong friends did you make and, and can you give us any insight into this group chat?
5: Um, I mean the I was, my my main group chat was we had a good pitchers group chat. Um, you know, the, the the hitters had I think the hitters had their own and the pitchers had their own group chat. I mean it's fun to get, you know, it's fun to get to know everybody and kind of get their personalities. You know, we had the chat going before we all met. And then, so like, once you meet, you kind of put a, a, a face to a name. But um, I think the, the you know the best part was not you know not like the the text messages, being in the dugout with everybody, getting you know actual FaceTime and you know the the dinners and the hanging out with guys, you know, in the locker room and during batting practice. Uh, you know, getting to meet all these all these other players. You know, and sometimes it's guys that you're meeting people that play him during the season and you sit in the dugout and you're like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy for the other team. He's trying they're trying to beat us. I don't like his his swagger and I don't even like the way he jogs to first base. And then you meet these people in person. And you're like, oh man, he's a great guy. He's telling jokes. He's funny. You know, you're having a beer with him at a dinner, you're cracking jokes. And then once the season starts it's it's gonna be a process. You gotta kinda you know, you're gonna see this I'm gonna see these guys step in the box. They're like kinda your friends now. So I got to see my friend get in the box or a guy that I know. And I got to flip the switch and be like, hey, I know this guy's pretty cool. But also, I hate his guts right now.
1: And Wait, who? Once who? He steps out of the
5: box, we could be friends again. We could be friends again. But right now, while he's in the box, who? we're not friends. Who?
1: Who, Michael? Who, Miles? Who? Give us a name. Who was that guy for you?
5: Um, Everybody from the Phillies. The Phillies <laughs> <Myles>. It's like, <laughs> oh guys. And it was funny. It was funny because uh, Wendo and I sat with them at the uh, at the first team dinner we had. And I hadn't really met anybody. Like we had been at the field and we had like a little workout and then we had our dinner. And I'm like, all, right, guys, all they're going to do is talk about beating us in the playoffs. And, you know, no matter how long ago you lose in the playoffs, there's always that like, you know, it's bad taste in your mouth. And we're like, three minutes into dinner and we're laughing and having fun and uh you know jt uh jt kyle and um and trey they're just you know they're awesome dudes uh turner's a a palm beach guy so you know we're talking about you know stuff from down here in south florida and you know and jt like to get outdoors like you know they like to fish and they golf and we all do the same things and we're you know laughing and having you know having a beer and you know they were just great you know they were great the whole time you know throwing a JT was great he was a great catcher watching Trey do his thing you know and and swarms and hitting them hitting them home runs but like those are guys like man the Phillies they beat us I mean I was walking around the house in December just oh the Phillies <clears> you know still upset <laughs> and then you meet these guys and they and they're great guys they're awesome people
1: so, so miles so the Phillies had how many guys three guys on team USA Turner Schwarber JT Cardinals yeah. had four right you wayno Goldie and Arna and Nolan and, and Nota, yeah so are you guys America's team then the Cardinals because you guys had the most players on team USA is it the Phillies you know Schwarber Trey Turner they're hitting bombs I mean who who's I'm, America's team
5: I mean if you know if
1: you want to go by by players you
5: know number of players then that's the Cardinals um, if you want to take it a step further, I think the Cardinals had the most players in the WBC. We would be the, the team of the world,
1: the world's team, a team of the people. <laughs> so wait, are um, you going to – When you see Newbar, let's say tomorrow at spring training, he's got his gold medal on. Are you going to be like, damn you, I hate you now. You were my friend, now I hate you because you were the enemy, like instead of the Phillies guys? or you are like, damn, he now better, we're friends? He, he better not bring that gold medal in the clubhouse
5: tomorrow.
2: <laughs> oh, he better. He better. If he has a pair on him, he that thing better be hanging in your locker one day, Wayne's locker the next day,
5: all there's, day. There's 18 other guys in that clubhouse that went to the WBC that didn't come back with a gold medal. It'd be bold move for him to bring that thing in that oh. thing to the clubhouse. I'd hate for it. I'd hate for it to go missing, or you know, you just don't want something to happen to you. You don't want to drop it, you know. <laughs> In a in a toilet or, or anything? Yeah, no. Um, I think it'd be great for him to bring it in. I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see it. I've got you know I've got the silver medal. That's going to be something cool to put in the office. Not as cool as a gold medal, but um, that'll be nice to see. I wonder if it's real gold. Maybe we'll do like a like a test on it or something. The old you know the old bite test. Um, but it's great. I'm I'm super happy for him. I I know he had a great time. You know how could you not um, playing with a with a great team, and I'm sure that's a great group of guys. Um, hope he learns something because you can always learn something from from playing with with different guys on different teams. So, and I hope he can bring that. You know, he's always bringing the intensity. So I know he's going to bring that intensity uh, right back to the Cardinals, and he's going to be ready for the season.
2: Will you do it again?
5: WBC? Yeah. I'll be, I mean, I'll be Wayno's age by the time it comes back around. So we'll just have to see if I'm still, uh, if I'm still kicking it. Maybe I'll be a coach or throwing BP or, you know, if it's down here in Miami, I'll just be some kind of, you know, I'll I'll be a fishing liaison for guys on the off day. They can come up and (laughs) they can come up to Jupiter and fish on their off day.
1: Did you call call Wayno old? Did you just call Wayno old?
5: I'm just I'm stating facts. Uh, he's he's older older than me and most of the most of the league. But he's uh he's aging with with beauty and with grace. Be-
0: beautifully so, stated. Beautifully stated, yeah. Miles. Hey, let me go back to let me get a couple Cardinals questions in there before we let you okay. sail away here. So, you said it's going to feel like you're heading back to spring training again for the first time. You have that, and you got to switch back to the rules. We were actually talking about how we felt like Japan's pitchers at times were lulling the hitters to sleep last night. Like, I was doing the one, two. I got to 35, 40 pretty often on pitchers on the mound. We know that's all going away. You work pretty quick anyway, but is it going to yeah. be weird for you to go back to all the rules? You're going to look behind you? You can't ship the same way like what's been going on in the WBC?
5: Um, I mean, it's it's been nice. I For me, the biggest – for me, the biggest thing is the between innings time. I think they, I think they got the between innings time wrong. I felt rushed in spring between innings because you used to get like two and a half minutes, and then the umpire would make you throw it down when that clock hit zero. Now you get like two and a half minutes, but they make you throw it down at like forty seconds or thirty seconds, so you really only have two minutes. And you got to jog out there, and I feel like sometimes in in those spring games I was only getting like five or six pitches instead of eight. I was I feel like I was getting a little bit less, um, and I just don't know if that's going to be great early in the season. I mean, it's going to be cold in St. Louis, and you know, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Colorado. It's forty degrees outside, and you know, when it was you know when it's cold outside traditionally, that umpire will give you some more time. You know, you go out there, it's cold, you take a few, you know, he, he might give you that, hey, you got two more. You say, oh, you know, hey, Bill, can I get four? And he'll be like, yeah, you know, you tell them it's cold, they'll give you more. They can't do that anymore. You got to go out there, you're going to have a long, a long inning, you know. We go to Milwaukee and Colorado early in the year. It's probably going to be like 50, 40 degrees, 50 degrees in Milwaukee. They don't have a heater in that stadium. It's indoors, but it's cold. Colorado could snow. You never know. Um, You know, you You got a long inning, your team scores a couple runs. You've been sitting on the bench, you got a jacket on, but then you gotta run out there. It's 45, 50, whatever degrees. You got five pitches to warm up, and then you got a guy in the box. I just don't think it's I don't think it's really smart. I think you you worry guys, you know, you're not gonna get enough warm-up pitches and you don't want anyone to get hurt or anything like that, you know, it'll be terrible, not giving guys time to get ready. But the in-between pitches. Another second or two would be nice, but I work quick. I, I thought in the spring training games, the pitch clock didn't affect me much. I know they might be tweaking the rules because there were pitchers out there who were using it to their advantage, maybe a little, a little too much, which I like a lot. If you're going to give me some rules, let me figure out how to use them to the, to the best of, of my ability. Um, but I'm not worried about the, the pitch clock and stuff. I like it. Get them in the box. Let's get this game going.
1: I like it. I like it. Hurry up! We don't get paid by the minute in the Major League Baseball, so let's hurry these games up and just get in the box and swing at the first pitch and do what's going to happen and move on, right? But do, the, so, um, do you remember back in the back when you were in the minor leagues, like your last game of the minor league
5: season? Did You guys ever play the game where everyone on the team <laughs> used the same bat? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. You had you to swing the at the first bat. pitch. You had to swing yeah. at the first strike. You got fined. Oh yeah, did speed up rules. The last yeah. game of the minor league season. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that game was like an we'll just, hour 20.
5: We'll do, yeah, we'll just do that again. Swing at the first pitch. When you're done, just leave the bat. Everyone's got to use the same bat. That was always fun. It was always funny to see guys using different bats. Um, yeah.
0: Wait, I didn't know about this, oh, though. Yeah. That's a thing, still. Like, know, if I look still, at the games at the end of last year. Maybe not now, but
1: still. It used but to it be... was
0: a thing. Like, every before, team would just be like, yo, last game, let's just. Dude, before the games are on,
1: like, the internet and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was, let's hurry. Like, especially in, like, A ball and stuff. You're in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You're like, I got to go home. Let's get this game over as quick as possible. Both teams agree. This is the last game of the season. The last season. game. Both teams agreed. If you're yeah. you know, there's nothing on the line, both teams are like, we're done. We're out. Yeah. So, yeah. Miles, Miles, are tell me about your Cardinals. Are they the are you guys' favorites to win the division? How many? How oh. by how many games do you think you guys are going to win the division? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Oh, wow. Um, I think we've got the potential
5: to. I think maybe run away with it. Um, I think we could run away with the division if if we're all healthy and we're playing good ball. I mean, we got a returning MVP and. Arenado was like the runner up or he was like right there. We got, you know, two MVP candidates. We got, you know, Flaherty coming back healthy. Um, you know, the guy's got Cy Young stuff. We got Matt's being healthy. He's got some of the most incredible stuff I've ever seen. We got a full year of Montgomery. You know, we got Wayno's gonna be charging hard in that, you know, his that last season, you know, he's gonna be ball to the wall and I'm feeling good. We got a great bullpen. You know, Helsley really exploded last year. You got him and Hicks coming out, 100-mile-an-hour heat. We got, you know, we got the outfield. We got the Japanese sensation, Lars Newbar. Um <laughs> We got a chance to, to kind of run away with it. I mean, I think it would be nice to, like, win a division by, like, 10 games, clinch early, and, and really get set and, you know, settled in and ready for a nice nice big playoff run.
1: I like the maybe. I like the maybe. You know, puff like as we say on the show, puff your chest out, dude, and say <laughs> – we're going to win this division by 10 games. Bring it on, Milwaukee. <laughs> Bring it on, Cubby Bears. Let's go. We got this. Base, baseball, I mean, you know, as good as that, you know,
5: baseball's a, wild, baseball's a wild game. And, you know, I'm really confident. I, I, I love our team. Um, I think I, I do think we're going to win the division. And I, I think we can do it by a, a lot of games. But the Brewers have a great pitching staff. They're a good team. You know, the Cubs made some moves. They got some new pitchers. Fight. they got some good young players. The Pirates got some good young players. You know, baseball's baseball. You never know. And we're playing everyone this year. I don't know if that's going to make a difference. Playing, playing everybody in the league, traveling more, not playing in the division as much, um, not as many games in the division. It might be harder to win a division by by ten or fifteen games because you're not able to to kind of run up those those victories on those on those weaker teams in the division. So I think it could make for for tighter races across the league, um, which would be an which would be an interesting side effect of of playing everybody.
2: What uh, what kind of effect is how many wins you think is, is it going to affect that Yachty's not back there? I know I know you know, you guys are set behind the dish. I'm not saying anything against against him. I'm saying more of like that presence of a guy at the position that he's at. Catcher. Catcher
5: yeah, crush. I mean that's. Losing a guy like Yadi is is not easy for for any team or anybody. Um, you know, the good news is is that we got Contreras and he's great back there. He's got a great arm. He's, he's you know he's going to be picking guys, going to be throwing that you know throwing guys out. Um, i throw it to him a little bit. He calls a good game. I mean, he's got a bat. He can swing it. Um, but aside from the baseball aspect, I mean, you're you're losing a a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer is hard to replace, no matter how you slice it. Uh, but you know, re- replace them in the clubhouse is also tough. But the good news on that front is we've got Goldie and Arenado. We've got veteran presence. We still have Wayno and his sage wisdom, you know, to kind of help the pitching staff, which is good because you know Yachty helps the helps the pitching staff tremendously. But we still have Bueno there, and and bueno and Yachty were. You know they're the same person they've, they've been together so long they were they you know they were brothers they were you know they're the same guy so wayno has a lot of that a lot of that information and and a lot of that leadership quality as well and you know how much we miss them is only gonna only time is is, is really gonna tell but it's time for other guys to step up and, and take on a leadership role I think I think Wilson can do that <clears throat> he's a great guy a tremendous person I think he can take on some some leadership role as a catcher, helping helping the helping the pitchers out and and you know, helping the offense get going. And I think it'll be it'll be maybe tough at first, but I think we'll we'll you know, we'll find a way and we'll do our best to lure Yachty to St. Louis for a couple of series, maybe, maybe see if he'll stop in and hang out a little bit with the guys
1: and we'll see. hey, hey Miles, before we let you go. First of all, you better do this often during the year because your, your great interview, And except for your driving sucks because you're swerving <laughs> and you're in the left lane you're passing guys in the emergency lane. So you got to work on your driving. Your interview is great. But you know damn well, and I'm telling you this right now, you're talking good about Wilson Contreras. but He was on the Cubs. He was that Phillies guy you were talking about in the WBC that you were like, man, I hate this dude because he played with fire. And don't and, I, and, and, and So you're lying because now he's on your team. You're like, man, I like this guy because he's on my team. That's, I mean, he's, you know, that, that's a perfect,
5: but especially on the Cubs. You know how it is. Guys, on the Cubs, I don't care if this guy saved a bunch of puppies from a burning building on his way the field But he's a cardinal now, so he's the best guy ever. <laughs> sweet like he wouldn't believe. You know, sweet as can be. And uh, and we
1: love them already. <laughs> Perfect answer. Perfect answer. <laughs> Perfectly
0: stated, Miles. This was awesome, man. Hey, enjoy the rest of the ride home. Thanks for uh, joining us. And also, um, what a, what a couple weeks, man.
5: Uh, next time, I'll make sure I'm not driving. Maybe uh, maybe I'll be out on my boat instead. We'll see.
0: Hell yeah! You yeah. can go on AJ's yeah. boat. Come yeah, to Orlando. Know, call me.
1: I love to go snook fishing, especially in Jupiter Inlet.
5: Hey, what, whatever you're down in the in the Palm Beach area in the off season. I'm fishing one or two days a week. Always looking for guys that know what they're doing.
1: I'll take you, I'll take you golfing. You can take me fishing. How's that? Sounds good. It's a deal.
0: Done. Done. Miles, yeah, we'll get you on next time. Computer, Wi-Fi, the whole thing. Thanks, man. We'll see you in a few weeks, all right? Thank
5: you so much for having me on, guys.
0: Appreciate you. Cheers. All right. All right. You got you're starting to book up your schedule quite a bit. You gotta go have dinner at Correa's. You gotta go. Fishing and golfing with Miles. I think I'm missing a few others. I'm taking we... over
1: for Todd as the mayor of foul territory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There go. you go. That's it. true. That's mm-hmm. true. Thoughts real quick, but then we got to have on coming. I love, I love coming. his
1: honesty. Listen, I mean, like. He's even great. Even at the end, like, he was talking about the pitch clock, right? He was talking about WBC. He talked about, you know, got, like when he said, yeah, who's the guy you didn't like? He's like the Phillies guys. Why? Because the Phillies were good. Those guys are good. Like Schwarber. You know, they, Rio Muto last year, they had that whole skit. They were going crazy in the playoffs, right? So, yeah, of course. And then, you know, Contreras comes over. Listen, Cubs-Cardinals is very underrated outside of the Midwest. And, and as, a, as a former White Sox player and a for, and a current still to this day not a Cub fan. I mean, I, you know, the players are the players, but it's more about the uh, away from the Wrigley, away from the the actual players part of it. it. It's it's fun to hear him say, yeah, well, he was a Cub, you know, saving and burning. And, Building was filled with puppies. I still hate him, but now he's a Cardinals, and we all love him. Like that was like honesty. Like, that's
0: great. That's what you want. That's what you want to see. You know? I think also he was fascinating, Kratzy, about the rules. He said, hey, I and this is where I I get it. He wants to warm up. It's one thing to have time between pitches. And you know, some pitchers complain about that, and fans are like, just get ready. But It's 20 degrees in St. Louis, April 2nd, and you need seven or eight instead of five pitches between an inning. And the ump's like, nope, screw it. And then imagine if a player gets hurt, how's that going to go?
2: Yeah. 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 Talk about your WBC restrictions, like blowing your hand when you get to, you know, you get that 28 degree night game in St. Louis. Like you got to, there's got to be feel there. And you hear it from a pitcher you know that those are the people they need to listen to not just okay well these are the rules and we're just going to do what we want to do just listen to them like have some feel let the umpires have feel and i think i'm hoping that's what comes out in these you know rule adjustments that they're coming up with
0: i agree and and we'll we'll get into that actually let's get into that right now with Evan Drellick who writes for the athletic has a new book out we'll talk about that too um, and he just listened to most of Miles is for the interview. Evan, great to have you. Evan and I go way back. We, we were on the rundown on MLB Network. Dude, you like, go back with like, all these 12... Like you're, uh-huh. You know what? You're media, bro. You're media. <laughs> yeah, I am media. You're like media royalty. I'm, I'm the only one here that can represent like that. I got to put you guys in place. So, And Evan does the same thing. So, Evan, first off, thoughts on, on – uh, great to have you on, obviously. Been looking forward to catching up on a show for a long time. So, thoughts on what you just heard from Miles and, and what Kratzy's talking about, too – about some rule tweaks and and what you've been hearing, because I know you've written about it.
4: Yeah, I haven't saved any uh, puppies, and I don't have a boat, uh, but 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 that that was a good conversation. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the the competition committee, or at least some people on the competition committee, it wasn't everybody, they had a meeting on Monday, and so that's what led to my story later that night, which was, hey, they're probably going to make some tweaks here, but they're not going to be major. We still don't know exactly what they are. I think it's a good thing that they're willing to adjust just on the fly, that they're not being totally stubborn about this. I mean, they kept, they being the league, kept kind of, you know, thumping their chest about, look, we tested this in the the minors over and over. Huge amount of data uh, and games backing up what we found here. But look, it's different in the big leagues. They're going to find it's different in the regular season, and they might even find it's different in the postseason. So they're going to make some tweaks on the margins. And what the commissioner said yesterday was, we'll make some tweaks now, and we're also open to considering some other it sounds like potentially larger changes once they get the data of the regular season, right? They don't want to, you know, shave like seconds off at this point, as far as I understand it, on the clock. Um, so the immediate stuff I don't think is going to be earth shattering. Uh, the, the The closest we have to what they're going to do, this is some of it. This is from Bob Nightingale at USA Today. Pitchers will be informed that no warm up pitches will be permitted with less than thirty seconds left on the clock in between innings. Base runners who are running on a pitch will be given time by the umpires to get back on a foul ball and hitters will be given time to to be set in the batter's box with at least eight seconds left on the pitch clock preventing quick pitches so this is relatively small stuff but it's good that they're thinking about it
1: so so evan i'm glad they're making these changes and it's crazy that we even have come to this point in baseball because i just watched the world baseball classic there was no pitch clock and other than the japanese pitchers which we've discussed on the show i mean there was no need for it so I get that we want to speed up the game. When will we see, like, a formal announcement from the league saying, hey, this is the changes, the tweaks that we made? Because, again, they don't have to do this. They can just make these rules and and do whatever they want.
4: Yeah, they control, they being the league, controls the competition committee. They have more seats on it. So whatever the league ultimately wants to do, whatever Rob Manfred ultimately wants to do, that's what they'll do. Uh, But, you know, the fact that they, they even had a meeting on Monday is good. Manfred said yesterday, I wasn't there, but this was, I think, on the field before the, the WBC final. He said that in the next few days, my understanding is the league has to notify the owners first. Hey, this is what we're doing. And then the message is going to get passed on to the union and to the Players Association. It's possible some players know right now there's been a bunch of rumors swirling that that me and some other reporters at The Athletic are trying to sort through. Of, okay, are they doing this? Are they dropping the eight-second rule of three seconds? I, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, quite that extreme but we're going to get resolution on this in the next few days you got to give guys time to adjust i mean what are we a a week away you know how many days before um first pitch here it it is funny though i woke up you you mentioned the final last night aj i woke up to a text i fell asleep i've had it like a sinus infection so somehow i fell asleep last night so i didn't see it and and i regret not seeing it but i woke up to a text from a scout who said you know if you have the pitch clock in this situation you ruin the drama you ruin the, the, the drama of, of Shohei and Trout. I haven't seen it, so I don't know if that's true. But that is interesting to consider when you get down to this, you know, these really intense ninth-inning moments. If guys have to deliver the ball right away, are you killing some of that theater? And, and that's the only you can't really test that in spring training. You know, you've you got to get to real meaningful games.
1: The Bryce Harper home run last year in the playoffs, they don't get to build the drama. It doesn't happen because the pitcher's rushing, and Bryce Harper's rushing to get in the box. There's not that... I think it was about 45 seconds between pitches and that, but the drama that the TV crew, which Fox obviously built, right? Joe Davis, John Smoltz, they built the drama, mainly Joe, and then he hits the home run, and it was like Joe just, you know, was able to play it because of the 45-second rule. So, yeah, I think sometimes it's going to feel rushed, and I think the league has to have enough smarts to have some leeway.
4: Yeah, and hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll remain open-minded, you know, look, if this thing went really bad and they had to scrap some of it, like substantively, like they, they said, all right, we're getting rid of some of this totally. Um, I, I actually don't think that would be the worst thing. I, I think it's good and and you know, you can say I'm I might be as cynical as anybody out there in baseball media. I think it's good that they're willing to try because I have grown as a national baseball writer who granted deals mostly with off the field stuff, I have grown less interested in the product on the field. I don't feel as compelled as I used to, to be like, I gotta watch this game because it has become strikeouts and walks and home runs and the pace of play, the pace of action really had dropped off. And so I take a roll the dice stance here and the players, when MLB decided to move forward with these rules, the players were unhappy. Like the players association representatives who were on that committee They were annoyed because they felt like the league didn't take a lot of their feedback here and the league went forward anyway. The league's going to have to do that at some points here. But as you start to implement this stuff and and if you find there are problems, good on the league if they actually listen. They don't have to, but good on them if they actually do it.
2: Yeah, but don't you think... I mean, let's go to all controversies because you've investigated them. You've seen the inner workings of them. I mean not necessarily with steroids but like I'm going to count steroids sign stealing you know the the pace of the game and all this stuff don't you feel like the MLB is more reactive than proactive and how can we stop that like th- to me that's why we're in the situations we're always in
4: there's no question that MLB is a reactive body that's that's what they do a lot of what they undertake is, is because of public outcry. You know, they didn't sit there and say, you know, we just want to speed up the, the play of the sport uh, because we want to get ahead of it. They waited till the problem became large enough and it was drawing enough attention that they had no choice. And that's always the case. It was the case with sign stealing. Uh, there was plenty of rumors, 2017, 2018, the teams were doing some stuff they shouldn't have been. And it took, you know, Ken Rosenthal and I putting out a, huge story about the Astros for them to finally send in and start a massive investigation. Same thing with the Red Sox. They didn't investigate the Red Sox until we did a report on it. Same thing with PEDs. You you know, it took Ken Caminiti talking to uh, Tom Verducci, and it took uh, somebody seeing a bottle of Andro in Mark McGuire's locker for, for, for that to start to get rolling. So the league is always reactive. But I think what's interesting about that the amount of power that ultimately rests with players and the public to a degree, players, public, agents, is really large. You know, when people start to speak out about stuff and say, hey, this is screwed up, the league's going to listen. Uh, th- they have to because they don't want to be dragged through scandal after scandal after scandal. And they don't want people trashing the product. So in a way, the lesson is if there's something that's like not working, people should talk about it. And, and you know, the league... You'd love for them to be more proactive. They're always going to be reactive. And they're, they're trying. You know, they're trying to prevent people from circumventing the rules with the, uh, with the new rules, right? They're thinking about circumvention. Maybe they wouldn't have been thinking about that if they didn't go through science stealing and all the crap that came with the video replay rooms. So the league might be trying a little bit more. They're never going to get out in front of everything. It's impossible.
3: Yeah, and I, I think you said it best. The league decides basically what they want to do at the end of the day. They can listen to players. They can listen to some other people. But I think my question to you, do you think the biggest, um, not, I wouldn't say problem, but do you see fans coming up explaining, "Oh man, it's too long or this, you know, this guy needs to work on this. You think hearing from the fans, Major League Baseball, that's the only probably way they decide whether they fix things is fans outcry or do they, or is it solely on players? You know, I think
4: it's both, uh, you know, MLB did a lot of surveys, going into these rule changes they did a lot of polls uh they have you know different groups they bring in a lot of it they don't announce you know sometimes in the media they'll they'll give us a little bit of hey here's what we found uh from this uh you know research project that that we did here so they they have a lot of numbers and they know where fan interest is or or at least as best they can tell where fan interest is um and, and they're going to react to fans but i do think they're also going to react to players you know like Look, you, you guys are, are on this new platform. Um, social media has been around for a while. Players have loud voices. And even in my experience in the media, it's, you know, if a player says something, people are going to believe it. Um, and, and that's a really powerful thing. And, and I think the league knows that they've got to A, make sure fans are still plugged into in the game, and B, make sure that players aren't revolting. You know, if you get to a rule change where you've got players constantly bashing the league's decision-making, and the commissioner, you know, this might surprise people. The commissioner likes having his job. He likes the pay. He likes the perks. He wants to be the leader of baseball. You can't have people trashing you left and right. And so there's a lot of incentive for, for Rob Manfred in the commissioner's office to keep players and fans both happy. And I, I bet they're going to try to do that with the rules. They have to.
1: That's not true because the players you talked to back in the day – when they took out the sliding into second base, they took over running the catcher. Rob Manfred didn't give a flying anything about that because he did it anyway. So, I mean, yeah, you say that, but all the... I mean, I remember playing when they made the catching change in the slot, taking out their guy at second base. People were complaining yeah. left and right, and he's like, I don't care, we're doing it. So, at the end of the day, it comes down to the bottom line, it comes down to the dollar.
4: Right, and, and I'm trying to think back to that. You know, I think um, I think Buster's agent... If we're talking about the collision rule at, um, at the plate, Buster's agent, uh, Jeff Barry, I think, went public and slammed the league. Um, you know, he, he took the platform. He took it by, by the horns. And you did have this major event, right, where somebody gets really hurt. And then the league goes, oh, we can't, we can't have this. So, yeah, it's, again, a situation where they're being reactive. But, but if the question is, well, why did they end up changing? It's because it got too loud, right? It, maybe it was loud for a time and people didn't do anything. If I if I'm if I'm remembering this right, AJ, that you know, then eventually it got to a point where they no, we look, we got to do something, we got to shut people up, and yeah, we got to protect yeah, our well, guys. Well,
1: San Francisco was complaining, but I mean, I got run over plenty of times at home plate, and I did it properly and, and bounced right back up. So I, I guess it all comes down to who complains and if they have an MVP on their on their trophy case behind them. I mean, or their agent. I mean, I, it just seems like. You know, and then we had the, Chase Utley broke the guy's leg, right? Ruben Tejada in the playoffs, and they got rid of that rule. So, I guess it's all about who complains and how well their fan base is. Also, Again, owners
0: want the players on the field. It does keep the players on the field a little bit more. But there's Can no more exciting that?
1: play. I mean, well, if you look back and, you know, you go back on YouTube and you go back and you see, like, Hal McRae tackling dudes at sure. second base and then getting into a fight, <laughs> like, that's exciting. I mean, running So over are the fights gadget. in
0: hockey, but they've limited those, too. Uh, so AJ, you catcher? don't think you that don't like exciting. that rule now?
4: Ten years what? later, you don't you don't like the protecting the catcher rule? I, I, no, I'm hell curious.
1: no! Let's go! Okay. Bring it on, big boy, Evan! Let's was... go! You're coming down third. I'm standing there. I'm <laughs> catching the ball. Let's go! Let's see what we got. <laughs> I was on.
2: I that.
4: Can't run fast enough anymore.
2: <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You don't got to run fast. You just got to lower the shoulder and get him. But I was on yeah. that committee, and I. I was on the collision committee, and there was plenty of collisions. And it is definitely, to me, to me, it's a cross section. And I want to get into your book, but to me, it's a cross section of how like they're okay with saving Yadier Molina because he had a concussion that year from a collision with uh, with Harry with Harrison um, and Buster Posey. And I get that, but there was guys on the on the committee, and I was one of them who wasn't who wasn't that superstar. And to me, if you save the superstars, yes, there's, there's something, there's something in that. But if you raise the level of everybody in the league, and that gave me an advantage that I can't hit as well as Buster Posey or Yadier Molina. I don't play as much as they do, but I can, I'll stand in the way of home plate to keep a run off the board. And there's value there. And I think when you decrease the value of everybody you decrease even some of the superstars' value or, or the game's value in, in my sense.
4: That's an interesting point. Yeah, the, 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 they're kind of diminishing. I mean, you could even tie it back to economics if you want to. My, my memory of, of those are, I, I think it's about optics, right? If you have guys getting hurt and big-name players getting hurt and you have fans going, why are these guys getting hurt? And you have some agents and some players saying we don't like it, even if there are guys like you guys who, who say, you know what, we do like this. You know, I, I think that's what we saw happen. We saw the league react to optics of we don't want to lose these top name catchers. And yeah, they should care about all the catchers equally. But that's, you know, who's getting the biggest paycheck? We, the one thing I've learned in my uh, time covering baseball, like in particularly the, the role I'm in now, which is always labor, business stuff. It's always about money. It's always about money. It's always about money. And it's really like kind of bleak sometimes,
1: but it's the truth. Major League Baseball, it's all about winning and nothing about winning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a t-shirt.
1: It's all about the bottom line.
0: Well, guess what? I have something for you on the league being very reactive and not proactive. It's called your book and the story (laughs) you broke in 2019 and then extrapolating that out to the entire story of the drama of the houston astros over a long period of time that actually even continued through the world series which i remember with mlb at the time i'm, I'm looking around I'm like the gm is about to either like leave or get fired and this team's going to win the world series i was like getting a lot of insight on what's going on there anyway it's called winning fixes everything um how baseball's brightest minds created sports biggest mess super cool logo of a dissolving baseball so first off congratulations on the book second where should we get it? Like there's multiple places to get it. I was going to order it last night and I was like, no, I want to wait. You know, like some sites are better than others. They're so like one spot that I should go to get it. And then let's get into the actual book.
4: Get it wherever it's convenient for you. I mean, you know, Barnes and Noble has it. Amazon has it.
0: Your your local independent bookshop, we like to support those.
4: They probably have it or they can order it for you and have it shipped. Um, so get it wherever it's convenient. And you know, it's really like it is about the Astros science stealing and science stealing in the sport in general. And how did we get there? It's a much larger story. It, it's really 10 years of the Astros management culture and everything that kind of comes after Moneyball. You know, what did Moneyball bring into the sport? It brought in a lot of smart stuff, uh, a lot of forward thinking, but it also created a lot of problems in how players were treated, how staff were treated. Um. You know, it, it's really a, a deep look at how a baseball front office operated in the last decade, um, from arbitration to where they were trying to find an edge with analytics and, and their R and D models, and it's the story of the Astros is much crazier than just sign stealing, and, and it was really eye opening as I went through it. I hope you guys do pick it up because um, I bought
1: it. I bought it today, Evan. As soon as I saw it, I bought it on Amazon. Scott, I should order two. And by the time, by the time we have next time on, I want to read this because it's, it's fascinating. I man.
0: guarantee you, Evan, will come back. He's a good man. He will come back to to go over the breakdown of it. So Amazon. Evan, yeah, like, I, sure. I'm I'm with you. I'll Amazon it right now. That's why I asked. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Comes right to the house. Phrase. Get
3: after it, man. Evan, I I can't wait to read it because honestly, I was part of it. You know, I played with. Yeah, the you guys Nazis. live this. All you guys live this. Live yeah. this and. I'm sure there's other details and and good good stuff in there. And it's just amazing to me how this all unfolded, to be honest, from banging on a garbage can to, um, you know, seeing stuff in center field and what have you. Um, The details, like, can you give us a little tidbit about, you know, more things that, that you've seen in the book, if possible, because I'm getting a little more excited now knowing, you know, about this whole situation because I know there's a lot more to it.
4: Yeah, I, you know, the, the, the sign, we traced the sign stealing back to the start, right? And as best I can tell, maybe you guys have different information. It really was the veteran contending teams. They figured out once the video replay stuff starts, hey, we can use our video rooms. I mean, they're right here. They're right next to the dugout. MLB gave us these rooms. Well, you know, we, we got the, the feed on the catcher. Let's let's just get the sign. So you get those out to the guys on second base. And it's interesting to chase uh, trace the spread of it, you know, it uh, goes from the Yankees to the Red Sox. Carlos Beltran ends up on the Astros. Well, Beltran had been with uh, the Yankees. He also been with the Rangers. You know, and it starts to grow. And then you have this one up upsmanship that happens where, particularly the Astros, they're like, we, you know, we, we want to take this to, to the next level. This, this isn't good enough the way we're doing it. And this happens in Houston against this backdrop of an organization where everything was about the bottom line. It was about winning. In making money. It wasn't about ethics. It wasn't about doing things right. It wasn't about treating people well. None of that, right? And so when you get to this point where you, you, you have this cheating scheme starting to roll, in Houston, I don't think there was an organization worse prepared to stop cheating than the Astros. The communication in that organization, the trust that existed between the players in the front office, between A.J. Hinch and his bench coach, Alex Cora, between A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno, the general manager, it was a mess. They were winning so many games, but it was a mess. And it, it's really hard to reconcile that, right? Like, how can this really good team on the field have so many problems behind the scenes? But it's true. And it's kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a mind F, if I, if I may say that, right? Like, it, it's really hard to mesh those two things together. Um, and I, I think the book achieves that. So I, I, I do look forward to, to you guys reading it.
1: So Evan, the, the Astros thing—does it start with Lunau? He got fired. Hinch got fired and suspended. Alex Cora got suspended. Beltron lost a job with the Mets. No players got in trouble, which, right. I, if you read your quotes in the Athletic, you kind of explain why they couldn't go back two years. And I, I get it. It's hard to—it's hard to suspend players for something off the field. But like Hinch, so Hinch to me, and we had him on. He still regrets it. He said that the other day. We had him on. But he went mm-hmm. in and he broke the TV, right? He went in a couple times and broke the replay TV and tried to get it stopped. So does this go back to a Lunau thing? Does this go back to Carlos Beltran? I mean, I know Hinch didn't do enough to start it. Alex Cora obviously was involved. Like, who's the main culprit here? And the fact that the Astros, like you said, had no communication right. and they still won the World Series.
4: Right. Yeah, it's really hard to single out people, okay? Is, in terms of who actually starts the scheme, well, Beltron and core were, were ringleaders of, all right, we're going to take this to the next level. We're going to get that camera in center field. We're going to have the monitor near the dugout. But you go back to the previous season, there was a, a guy who at that point was either an intern or kind of low-level staffer who had created this spreadsheet that could help them decode some signs. So, you know, you, you put it, it was really basic stuff. This is what was called codebreaker. It sounded much more advanced than it was. Um, and he did this at the behest of. Uh, Alex Bregman and, you know, some players wanted more of this information. And then, you know, the scheme starts to unfold in 17. Well, AJ doesn't stop it. He, you know, he does try to do these. He does break the monitors, but he, he never has the in front of the entire team. We are not doing this anymore. And, and I think that's his biggest regret. And it should be, frankly, um, you know, Luno never talked to the team about, hey, we know we're in this environment where there could be incentive. To do this, to keep up, to cheat—it was never on their radar, right? And so, you have all these factors coming together: bad communication, no discussion in advance of like, "Hey, let's make sure we follow the rules." Um, Players wanting to get an edge, and players are always going to want to want to get an edge, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, the buck's got to stop with stop stop with management, right? It's got to go up the chain, and the responsibility falls to a lot of different people, but. The culture the Astros had in place. I mean, just for a quick example, the Astros in 2017, nobody knew this at the time, wasn't even written about in the other book about the Astros. They brought in McKinsey and Company, this outside management consulting firm, to evaluate baseball operations, right? McKinsey normally deals with like uh, business functions. They deal with ticket sales if they're doing a sports team. They don't look at how do you run your scouting department or, and this actually happened, they sat down with A.J. Hinch. They sat down with players. They sat down with coaches. And they did a whole mapping of, hey, is A.J. making good decisions, right? You have Jeff Luno dropping in a consulting firm on top of your manager in the middle of this season. Do you think that's going to create trust between the manager and the general manager? Do you think that's going to help in a moment where your team is starting to cheat and A.J. is going to be like, you know what? Let me go to Jeff. I, I, I think he'll, he'll be by my side on this one, Right the whole thing was, was chaotic and pitting people against each other. And when you have that environment, no one's going to step up and and do the right thing and uh, make sure this thing gets squashed.
2: That's not going to happen. But there's one name that you haven't said one time, Jim Crane. Tell me. (laughs) You haven't said his name one time. Like, are you, are you not allowed in Houston? Is that why you haven't said his name one time? Like, are you on a, are you on a no fly list in there?
4: Well, yeah, I, I might be on an no fly list to Houston, but no, look, Jim Crane is in the book plenty. And the interesting thing about Jim Crane is, you know, when he bought the Astros, there was a lot of controversy around him because his cultures in his outside business, uh, he had a logistics company, so, you know, trucking and getting stuff from point A to point B. They had massive scandals. There was a huge discrimination lawsuit brought against Eagle Global Logistics. And on top of that, There was war profiteering charges. People literally went to federal prison uh, on accusations of hiking up prices in in Iraq. Um, So really ugly, messy stuff that slowed down his purchase uh, process. But look, he was willing to pay top dollar. So the owners let him buy the Astros. And that's what it's about when you're buying a team for the other owners because they want their franchise value to go up, right? So none of them are going to stop him at the end. And, you know, nine, 10 years later, you have a massive scandal unfold in Houston. And what's MLB's stance? What's, what's Crane's own stance? Oh, you know, this is all happening below me. Amazing. Amazing that um, you could have war profiteering, a massive discrimination lawsuit, and now a, a, a major baseball cheating scandal all unfold in your organization. And somehow you're not responsible for any of it. Isn't that interesting?
1: So Evan, we're, we're, this book is obviously heavily focused on the Astros, right? And because we have Todd Frazier here, it was on the Yankees at the time, how many teams were doing this? Because the Yankees got popped, the Red Sox got popped to lesser degrees. The, I mean, how big is cheating in baseball? Because the Braves got in trouble for it wasn't sign stealing, right? But they, they got a, their GM got suspended for life for breaking the rules. So
0: international signing,
1: international signing stuff. Capuana got kicked out of baseball mm-hmm. for him. He just got reinstated. But like Frazier, like were you guys doing this? Did you guys know when you played the Astros? Then we had the Altuve with the people thought he had the the the, the buzzer on his heart thing, right? So yeah, like, we, how big is how rampant is was cheating? We caught a team doing it. This was like 2010. So how has this been going on? And Frazier, were you guys doing it?
3: This is why I want to read the book, to be honest, because I had no clue if, if anything was going on when I was playing with the Yankees. Uh, I'm sure Evan, you probably got some more insight on that. But for me, you can see my numbers. I was I was batting like 230. So you know, I <laughs> yeah. I didn't have anything to do with it. So um, I don't think anybody on the Yankees was doing anything about it, but people were talking about how things were going on. Um, But, and I didn't see anything with the Astros. That's the problem. Like, I wasn't going to, who's going to play a position and listen for, you know, uh, something to be banged, uh, you know, a garbage can to be banged, or somebody wearing a mic? Because I wore a mic a lot during games, you know what I mean? So I've been mic'd up before. So if I did see somebody mic'd up, I'm like, oh man, that's probably just for TV. So they could have got away with that, Evan, you know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, and it's, so when we talk about, were other teams doing it? it? It unfortunately requires some nuance, right? Because what what we found, what MLB's found, right? The Red Sox got punished, Yankees got punished, um, beyond the Astros, is that there were multiple veteran teams using the video room, right? You would you would decode signs in the video room. Guys would go in the video room. Um, staff members might be in there, and then somebody would probably just walk it out to the dugout, right? Okay, you know, it's whatever. Second sign right now. And, um, you know, if a guy gets on second base, he knows what it is. And so that's really what we know was going on around in some teams. People like to say everybody was doing it. There isn't evidence for that. I don't think everybody was doing it. I think veteran contending teams in that 16, 17, 18, probably 19 period were using that video room scheme. I have the Dodgers doing that. Uh, In my book, that's new in the book, and you know we've reported on the Red Sox, Astros, and Yankees. What's different, and I'm curious if you guys agree this is different, right? Most people in baseball agree that the Astros took it to a different level. You got rid of that runner on second base entirely. You didn't need him. You did the whole thing off the field. Didn't matter if you had somebody on base or not. You saw the catcher sign on that video screen in the tunnel right behind the dugout. And then you banged on a garbage can to let them know what was coming. Right. And you didn't need somebody on base. I think most people look at that as more egregious. There has not been any confirmation. Like, you know, there, there's plenty of finger pointing people going. I think this, these guys are doing X, Y, Z. But we, we, there's never been kind of proof that, yes, somebody was doing that. Right. The, the video room scheme. Yeah. That, that, that was a few teams, at least. The we don't even need a runner on second base and we're going to do this directly on any pitch. That's Houston alone, as far as we know.
1: So, do you, do Evan, Evan, does Mike Fires and uh, Danny Farquhar, do they get royalties from your be- your book? Because those are the two guys <laughs> that kind of like sold the Astros out. Like Mike Fires, obviously, sold his old teammates out. And Farquhar, when he was with the White Sox, was kind of the guy that was like, every time I throw an off speed, I hear banging from their dugout, and that was like the famous Twitter video, right? So, I mean, do they get royalties from your book?
4: No. So let me. It's, it's a good question, actually, because. I, for the last three years, so Ken and I break the story, right? Ken Rosenthal and I. And, you know, we keep following up on it, but I didn't do a lot of interviews and he didn't either. And the reason, we didn't want a grandstand. We didn't want people, or or to even be accused of grandstanding, right? We wanted the reporting to stand for itself. And now the book's out, now it's been some time, and obviously here I am willing to talk about it now. Um, Mike Fires, Ken, Ken called Mike Fires three days before the story came out. Story came out November 12th. Um, Ken called fires on November 9th. It's actually the same day that Ken called Farquhar. Both those names had been names that I heard for a long time. The reporting for the the original story, and then I guess you could say the book, it, it goes back well before November of 2019. I started reporting on this in October of 2018. And so I think a lot of people, because those guys were on the record in that original story, I think there's just this assumption. Okay. They decided to talk and that's why this story came out. Could it have been that way? Yeah. What, what was actually the case was that we had everything. Ken and I had the whole thing already when we called those guys and we were thrilled to get people on the record. Like, doesn't matter what you're reporting on. You want people on the record. It could be something major. It could be something minor. Um, But that story was coming out either way. We had all the facts. I actually think the fact that we had all the facts helped us, right? Because it wasn't Ken calling up Mike and being like, hey, uh, did you ever hear about the Astros cheating? It was, Mike, we are doing this story. Here's everything we know. What can you tell us? Are you comfortable going on the record? And to his credit, he was, right? But it wasn't wasn't as though it was Mike Fires one day and Danny Farquhar one day deciding we're going to talk that put this all out in the open. The process was actually literally three days. It was a 13-month process that was three days away from coming to a conclusion.
3: That's amazing, and I'll finish it with this, Evan. If there's no evidence, then you can't you know, nullify a team. So for me, the Red Sox got caught with the basically the watch. The Houston got caught with banging the, the garbage can. Now other teams, like you said, as you finish, if there's no proof, then you can't really, you know, say that, hey, Yankees, you know, you, you did this. It's all hearsay at the, at the end of the day, right? Right or wrong?
4: Um, well, two, two, we'll take this two points. Um, in general, yeah. If, if you, Todd Frazier, right now, go, you know what? I think the Brewers, um, Reds, and whatever. Uh, you know, Not the Reds, you were on the Reds. But, but, like, if you just named three teams and said, I think they were cheating, people would jump on that and go, oh, look, they were cheating. When, at the end of the day, that's really not the threshold, right? That, that's an allegation, and you would need either – you need some other form of proof, somebody on the inside of one of those teams saying, yeah, no, we did do that. Or maybe you had video. Maybe there's you know, a bunch of other accounts, stuff like that. W- with the Yankees specifically, they did get fined. You know, there was a whole thing – I don't know if you followed any of it – last couple of years about this Yankees letter. It was a letter that Manfred had sent to Brian Cash, and it was meant to be private. Uh, but it got caught up in a court proceeding. And the judge said, we're releasing this. And the Yankees tried to fight it. MLB tried to fight it. They lost. But what the letter revealed was, yeah, the Yankees were doing that base runner scheme just as the Red Sox were in um, 15 and 16 was was the years for the Yankees doing that. A lot of the Yankees at that point, and I think guys on other teams, they didn't think it was really wrong because they had access to the video room. You know, it's like, what are we doing wrong? We're just, you gave us the video replay room. So why can't we look at the signs and get it to the dugout, right? And so this is before MLB had really started to crack down, drew that line in the sand in 17. So no, I'm not saying the Yankees of of 2018, 2019 were doing something like the Astros. I don't have evidence of that. Um, Nobody does that I'm aware of, Um, but there's nuance there, right? It's nuance. What's an allegation? What's firm proof? Did the Yankees do something? Yeah, the Yankees did something in those earlier years, yes.
0: Fascinating, and guess what? Yeah. There, there's going to be a part two to this because we, we got to let Evan jump too. Um, but the good news is, Evan, they're all going to educate even more, including me. We're going to read the book, and then we'd love to have you back one time in a couple weeks or something like that, or however long it takes us to get through a book. I don't know how long can you get through. How long does? It take well, I'm going to have
1: it tomorrow because of Amazon. Yeah, I'll have it see, <laughs> Thursday. Uh, how long's the book, Evan?
4: It's, it's pretty long. It's like three hundred and sixty pages. Oh, have it okay.
1: done by Monday?
4: Monday?
0: Damn!
2: I need a week. I need you a week. Got an
0: audio version? I have a job. There need- <laughs> is <need> an
3: audio <laughs> version. I need a month. Is there
0: an audio version? Oh, I'm in yeah. for that too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah I okay. didn't do it. We so had a got professional to read. I got read it. So. Read,
0: it. Well, I got well, you didn't, read it. You
4: didn't read it? I read it. Me? No, I mean yeah, you didn't read it.
2: You didn't read it for the audio. No. Uh.
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I I thought about it. And look, there's enough crap for people to give me for like. Hey, you suck. Why are you out to get the Astros or the Red Sox or the Yankees? I didn't want the, le- the last thing I wanted was one more set of tweets at me like, hey, Drelick, your voice bleeping sucks. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to like, give myself yeah. one buffer here, you know? So.
0: Yeah. Well, you're, you have, he's got a deep voice. It a great been, voice. Yeah, it would have yeah. been great. So, we'll, we'll do a remake, but like in a year, we'll, we'll re blast it out. Anyway, Evan, this was awesome. As, as expected, I knew this was going to be really fun with the guys. So, we'll bring you on again for the, uh, the post uh, book report kind of uh topic to go through with you appreciate you man
4: anytime guys see you
0: thank you you like I, that that's cool that was there's again we
1: don't have enough time because we do in a few we, in a couple yeah, weeks but i'm saying like that's so fascinating to me knowing that todd cheated in 17 <laughs> oh, <here we> go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, typical
1: but I, I mean i feel bad now because i 15 16 i was still playing and we i was on the braves we had to we didn't do one thing And maybe someone did it. Maybe Freddie Freeman did. That's why he was much better than me. But I don't know. (laughs) But they ain't tell me about nothing. Listen, (laughs)
3: all I know is if I knew what was coming, I'm going to, for one, and you can answer this too once I get it out of here. If I know what pitch is coming, I'm going to hit the ball at least hard somewhere. And you can agree with me or not, that's just the way I, like if I know fastball's coming, I'm going to hit it hard, probably a third base because I'm going to be way out in front. But I am going to hit that ball two things, either really hard or really high in the air because eventually they're going to go really far. So for me, when I did know what was coming, when a pitcher was tipping pitches, that's the only time I knew. I had Chili Davis, who was one of the most exceptional guys to understand when pitchers were tipping. He said, listen, I could be 60% right. Would you take it? I said, I'm going to take 60% because the game is too hard. So anything above 50% where he told me, hey, I'm 60 or 70% on knowing what pitch is coming. I took that, and a lot of people are like, No, I got to be 100%. I'm like, You don't have to take it. I'm taking it, and I'm going to hit it hard somewhere. And that's the bottom line. When I was a hitter, if I knew what was coming, I'm hitting that ball hard somewhere.
1: I agree. Completely I agree. 100% yeah. agree. Completely I mean, as long agree. Because the, the problem is you'd swing at balls that were out of the strike zone. Because sometimes you do breaking balls are coming. You see it, and you're like, I was right. Now i swing at the one that bounces like 15 feet in front of home plate, right? <laughs> but I mean, but the thing, like, when you're talking about, like, tipping pitches and telling me what's – like, for me, it was, like, the Japanese guys we just watched, I think Kratz, and you guys will agree with me. I wanted to know when a split was coming because I would take it, right? Yeah. So, if the guy would yeah. tell me if he did something with his glove or he did something with his motion that told me, hey, here comes a split, I was like, huh, auto-take. Nope, not swinging out until I get to two strikes because most of the time that was the hardest pitch for most guys to hit. So, it was more like, hey, let me know what's coming, especially if it's an off-speed and I'll just take it until I get to two strikes.
0: I can't wait to have him on again post post uh, book reading, book report session with Evan.
1: There's so many, but I mean, he obviously is an He was an Astros beat writer. He's he was bait. Now he's in Manhattan, and he's an investigative Because they they kicked him out, as Kratz said, they no fly zoned him into Houston, so now he has to live in New York. Yeah, right. So that's why he couldn't say the Yankees were cheating because they'll kick him out of there and have to move to Kansas City.
0: he says whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> if there was a, a story to report, he'll report it. That's why tell you, it's they'll great. They'll kick
1: you straight out of New York. They'll be like, hey, you got to go to Kansas well, City. Well, you got to spot Louis. for him in
0: Florida then. But, but so <laughs>
1: but we didn't even get into like the Astros won the World Series. They fired their GM.
0: This, they won the World Series and fired the GM. They, they didn't have a GM after winning the World Series. They didn't have a GM, I think, during the World Series because they knew that this was all going down. So I don't think there was a communication line between the front office and their prep and and I think it was Dusty and it was Bagwell and it was Crane. Like there were, it was clicks. There, pun intended. There were separate si- situations going on with the team. Is what I heard when I was there. Yeah. So that that story alone is fascinating. And they fucking won. That's what I'm saying. They, they won, won the without World a series, GM. Which, to their credit, they've done an an amazing job putting talent together. Because to, yeah. to be some teams would be a disaster if they were going through all of that, and they would be a last place club. They'd be oh they're the most talented team and you know they sucked they were a 500 ball club or something like that this team won the world series basically without the and they a go to the world the series every year and they go to the world series every, every year with all this hanging over their yes, head yes yes so i give them a ton of credit on that front um let's do two more things here before we jump one is reddit on wednesday which we're trying to do every wednesday since we're such big reddit fans we're going to be hey aj you're super active on twitter next up for you is reddit i'm on reddit for one thing though are you really on reddit when i go
1: to orange series i cheat and look at the workout
0: Oh, they post what? it? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, so, wait, wait, I go to so
0: you're sign-stealing Orange Theory. Yeah, I'm, the I'm a I'm a Yankee Astro Red Sox now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Unbelievable. I'm going to tell Orange Theory. That's insane. Yeah, so when you go to Orange Theory, I'm always like, because if it's inclines, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's running on an incline. So you I'm won't dread- go? I mean, I'll still go, but I just dread it. Or if it's like a 23-minute run, I'm like, okay, I can do this. I only care about the treadmill. The other stuff, I, I can get through the lifting and the rowing. But I want to <laughs> know about the treadmill. And if it's inclines, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go
0: today. That is epic. Yeah, I so did not that's know That's what
1: I'm on Reddit. That's what I'm on Reddit for. So don't so don't ever say that about me again, Scott.
0: What? That you don't steal signs? All right. You are on Reddit. Okay. So Butter something is the username. I don't know if it's like a bad word. So Butter names. Oh, is it, it? sounds weird. But but okay. Um, Said NPB, like out in Japan, their pro league, definitely isn't. A AAA, or he put in parentheses, you know, quad A league. They're absolutely on par with MLB, just with differing priorities, finesse and speed over the raw power we get in the U.S. I'd love for more crossover competition in the future. Player perspective, who wants to start here? Phrase. I'll go. Um,
3: I think Japan's team that they put out there, I think that's their best team. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think the teams they have put together, you know, you put those guys that are on the world baseball class and put them on other teams. I don't think as a full set team that they would have a chance against, I, I, they would have a chance, but I, I think our teams would be a little more superior. I mean, he said, they said it himself, um, finesse and speed over raw power. Uh, I, I want the power and we do have, the we do have the speed for one. Um, and we do have the finesse with, you know, with some of the infielders out. Outfiel- I, I, I just, I don't see it in my opinion. Um, I would love to see. I would love to see the competition. I, I, I would go. I would agree with them on that. But for me to put it in perspective, we have the most elite baseball players in the in the world, and you know, I would I would put a Pirates team against one of their you know top teams, and I think the Pirates would win more than they lose.
1: I think it's, it's different style of baseball. Yeah, right, Eric. Just different I, it, styles.
2: It is different styles, but but this guy, you know, said I'm not saying it's like the league is a AAA league. Like, there's a reason the superstars here don't go over there. Now, if he said, you know, it's just U.S. versus Japan, it's different. But he's comparing it to the MLB compared to Japan. The MLB, like, these were the Americans playing against the Japanese. Like, the MLB is the elite league. Japan is not the is not an elite league. It's a triple-A league because
1: of... The
2: varying abilities throughout the entire league.
1: I agree, but it's also different styles. It is. It's, and we've talked about this multiple times on the show that Japan prepares for this. Their NPB allows their players to prepare for this, and they played ten, I think, ten scrimmage games against the teams in Japan. So it's not fair, but it's different styles. And again, you, you know, you played over there. there. There's more bunting. There's more contact-based stuff and they have their few sluggers that try to go deep whereas american baseball as even evan said has kind of become home runs walk strikeouts mm-hmm. and over there they value contact they value hitting and running they value bunting they value those things where we're used to and we don't anymore and that's why i think if you look at it you're like wait these teams are different but that's just the way they were raised
0: here's the big question then playing off what Frazier said if the winner of the mpb Plays the winner of the P, uh, Pacific Coast League. Who wins? Who wins? Anyone? Uh,
1: I'll take MPB just because. MPB. I, I mean,
0: I oh, uh, think it's I, close. What about winner? Uh, I, so both. Here, do both. Kratzy, you can start here. Also, winner of NPB against Pittsburgh Pirates in a best of seven. Who wins?
2: I mean, the MPB team. Because the pirates aren't trying to compete. If you're trying to, if you're, if you're truly tr- putting a, comp- I think there's AAA teams that can beat the pirates in some <laughs> years, and, and I'm not, I'm not yeah. joking about that. But like, there's like, it you have you have to compare apples to apples. Like, are you talking about the team that wins the AAA, whatever that's called now, national championship or World Series? You know, if you're if you're putting that entire team against the MPB team. Or are you taking that entire team, the guys that they had on that team the whole year? Because dudes are getting called up to the big leagues. Nobody's getting called off of the, the winner of the MPB World Series and, like, going to another league. Like, they're going to get to play with all their guys. Absolute talent, 1-25 to 25 on the roster. Japan is not – their teams are not as good. Could they beat them? Absolutely they can beat them. Like – if whoever has whichever team, I think I think Hanshin has has Sasaki, like he's gonna come out and he has a chance to no-hit a big league team. Like, but that doesn't make the league that much better. You're talking about the entire the league means the entire skill set. It doesn't like it, it's it's not that much. That's why. That's why guys go over there when, you know, ah, they got to remake their career. Nobody's going over there and saying, or nobody's going into free agency in the big leagues and being like, hey, if I get 10 million from the Brewers, I'll take 10 million from Japan because that's a better league. No, the competition is MLB. And the NPB is really, really good. And the skills are really, really good. If they could hit home runs, look at Murakami. The dude won the MVP at 56 home runs. Like, if they could hit home runs, they would. Like, there's there, nobody's like, oh, man, I just think we need to run on the death. No, it's what they can do. And they're really good at the skills that they have. But if they could hit homers, everybody's hitting homers. Scott, if you could hit homers, you would hit homers. Like, that's oh, yeah. that's where it's at. En- enough said. That's that's how I start, and that's how I'll finish
3: with it. I mean, you you, you hit – hit the nail on the head, dude, that's, that's it. Everybody has speed in every league. Everybody has finesse. Uh, it's a matter of putting, you know, more runs on the board than somebody else. And I, I think from top to bottom a lineup from one to nine, I would, I would take over, you know, any, any of those teams uh, over there
0: in Japan. They got some pitchers though. I think yeah, I, th- so do we that, I know we do. So do we I, I think Japan against USA with, with, and that's not just NPB, just the best players from Japan, and the best players from USA for an All-Star game would be awesome. USA, yeah. would, win. USA I mean, would win. I mean, in
1: one game, Japan could win. Japan but, could but win like, like last a, night. Like I'm saying over a a, let's say a two-week span. You pay. Let's say you play thirteen games. The U.S. is going to win.
0: Yeah, but we don't even do that for the World Series, best of seven. Okay, I still think U.S. U- win. U.S. wins. If you put the absolute best, yeah,
1: against their best, which
0: Japan basically brought
1: their best they have. Yes, and we did offensively again. I'm not knocking the guys who are on the team, but the Cy Young voting last year, we didn't have. What would you say? The top fourteen guys or sixteen guys, yeah. whatever it is. So it I keeps mean, growing
0: sixteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but yes, yeah.
1: but you know what I'm saying. So like, yeah, I, I think U.S. wins that. And, and plus they'll bring the intensity. Now the Japan is good, but like Kraut said, they don't have the depth of the whole league. That's I, I, fair. Think,
2: I think this is, I think this is something, one last thing here. Mm-hmm. I think this is something we'll get into during the season, especially with gambling. There's dudes on teams on, that you're going to play whatever team it is. And there's superstars that know they're going to get their knocks against three, four, five. In the rotation. And they know, like, in certain situations, like, there's guys that are not better. You're going to run into that more in Japan, in their professional league, where you're like, yeah, like, I'm going to feast on this dude. Just because the level of talent isn't that high
0: consistently across the board. hmm does that not happen though in September sometimes in Major League Baseball against an Oakland A's pitcher? You never any- feel like you're gonna feast against the dude? Not anymore. I mean, no. I
2: mean, back when back when you used to call up guys, yeah, but they were just calling guys up to, you know, give them that cup of coffee. They were they, they weren't necessarily feeding off a of, you know, Oakland wasn't calling up three starters to pitch three games against the Yankees. You know, you're gonna get a guy in there, and that's the biggest difference. Like triple A. Adam Lind used to say it all the time. He's like, the difference between the big leagues and the minor leagues, he goes, I'm not facing this dude. And, you know, the guy that was out on the mound, he goes, I'm never facing this guy. This guy is getting me locked in because I can get my knock off him or I can hit my rocket. He goes, you know who I'm facing? And we were playing, at the time, we were playing the Nationals AAA team. He's like, I'm facing Steven Strasburg. He's like, or I'm facing this guy. He's like, I'm not facing the guy they had on the mound. I'm not going to say his name, but it's like, (laughs) that's the difference in the extreme level of talent from AAA to the big leagues, but also
1: Japan to the big leagues. Okay. He facing Steven Strasburg, according to
0: Brittany Giroli. No, never again, according <laughs> to <laughs> Brittany Giroli, if you watched last week. Let all him right. know, Brent. Let him yeah. know. Tell him. Tell him. All right, so this is something we're going to do every time Frasch is on because we made something special for him. And we had one topic, but we're switching it because there's there's been some news on just an update on the memo and the rules change and all that. So we'll cover it in this little segment we like to do. I think we're ready for it, Frasch. Let's run it. Let's go. What's the problem, Frej? What's the problem today? Let, let me present a problem, okay? So I get to sit and I'll get to do this in person with you sometimes, you know, right? Like, tell us how this works, right? You, The, the Don welcomes you in. You got a problem. He tries to fix it.
3: it basically, I, I have to be the one that fixes it. I come up with the solution. And if it doesn't work, so be it. How you doing?
0: Let's go. So Jeff Passan reporting. Less than an hour ago, MLB not changing any of the major components of its new pitch clock rules before opening day, according to a memo obtained by ESPN. And then others have been reporting on it since, too. Details on the changes will be made. Um, so I'm seeing uh, pitch timings. Everything stays the same for, for pitchers and for batters. Adjustments are more to delay the start of the clock if the pitcher is covering first or backing up. Once they're back on the infield, grassed after covering first or they're in fair territory after backing up a play. Um, There's leniency for catchers to end an inning on base or at bat. So some of those things that we've talked about between innings, if somebody's like literally like throwing their stuff off and sprinting, it gets a little much, but here's the problem Frazier. We're still trying to figure this out. We're a week until opening day. What do you think the solution is here to make the players happy enough? Or do you think everything's fine on your front? Well, listen,
3: I mean, for me, I, I think everything's great, but there's always room for improvement as we know. Uh, you can hear the accents coming out even more when we talk about this, so you guys know. I, I think they need to make adjustments as it goes, like tomorrow. If something wasn't working, hey, let's talk about it, and let's go over what we possibly can do to fix it. Uh, we've seen it in the past, uh, where rules get changed you know, midway through the season. Why not? It makes baseball better. It makes players better and happier. And people are always on the need to be on the same page. And if that's not going to happen, then we're going to have a bigger problem because you don't want players talking. You don't want, you know, Manford being like, well, this is it and this is the bottom line because guess what? I understand he makes the rules and he's the top dog, but people below you are going to get upset. So for for that to come out, stuff needs to get fixed as the season goes on. It's all learning experience. People love what they're seeing right now, two hours and 30-minute games. That's great. But we got to help the players out a little more.
1: I love, I read the full memo just now, Jeff Pissan. How'd you read it? We're on the air. I We're just streaming. read it on ESPN. I was listening to Todd reading. I can multitask.
0: Okay. It's passing, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> Passan.
1: Passan. We're doing the Italian Fancy. thing. We're doing yeah. the Italian thing. I okay. figured it would be Pissan. <laughs> hey, I
0: like it. Pison. So, Jeff
1: Pison. Jeff Pison, <laughs> the one thing I did like, and people are going to play with this, it said if a fielder goes out of play, the clock does like, there's a foul ball. They, they don't start until they get back on the grass. The pitcher covers first. It didn't start until he gets in the air. Pitchers are going to start walking way around yes. on the dirt to get a breather, right? And then it also said that uh, a player calls timeout. They're one timeout. The pitcher can't come set and be ready until the hitter says, okay, I'm ready. Then the umpire winds the clock. So hitters are going to be like, whoo, I ain't ready, man. I'm going to need it. Let, let me get some Gatorade. I got a little something in my eye. I'm just going to go. What's he can't. That? He can't in Why? the memo, it says you can't until the batter says, okay, I'm ready, can he wind the clock? No, the ump can
0: stop you eventually.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but there's gonna be some there's gonna be some play. Like Max Scherzer said, he's already played with gamesmanship. it. There's gonna be some play. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes. Is, is it gamesmanship
3: though? Or is it just screw it? I'm I'm gonna do what I want because that's the rule. You know, what I mean, gamesmanship is you know, trying to, you know, have fun with it. These these are these are things that are a little more serious now. It's like, hey. You know, that's the rule. Guess what? I'm not going to put my hand in. I'm going to keep my hand up to the umpire as a hitter and wait until, you know what? One, two, three, screw it. All right, I'm ready now. So <laughs> that's why things can get changed as as more time goes on, Eric. And I
2: think that needs to happen. No, I, I agree. It has to, things have to get changed. But we're looking at starters having one more start before opening day guys are having one more start. And Like they're not going to be able to work on this. They're not going to be able to figure this out. So guys are going to, they've set the tone. MLB set the tone and now they're like kind of going back on it, but they're not really, they're not really changing to me. The things that need to be changed They they went so far to the one end with in the minor leagues, there's a foul ball. It's a dead ball, you know, foul balls. It's like, okay, everybody's regrouping. Now we're going to attack. Now it's, Foul ball, umpire hands the catcher the ball, throws it back to the pitcher on the mound, and if he's on the dirt, that clock starts. And you saw a couple guys, you know, get back, get out, you know, readjust their batting gloves. They're going to have to change that, but they're going to have – MLB has to – we kind of talked about it with with Evan. Like, they have to be proactive on things. Listen to what the players are saying. Whit Merrifield was on before, and he was like – He was like, ah, you know, we didn't quite agree with what they were saying. And they were like, ah, well, kick rocks. We're going to do what we want to do.
0: And guess what? That's why it's going to be fun on this show. First few weeks, guys are going to be pissed about certain things going on. And we're going to be able to talk it out. We're going to have former umps or current umps even joining us too to break it all down. So I love all that. Good. Yeah. We talked about it but. Imagine
3: him playing in this new game now. What what would happen? Like, what what would he do? Yeah,
0: hurry up or you strike out every time without even stepping in the box. Yeah, yeah He's he was very superstitious. You can't be like that. Nope. You, you can't. Or if you're superstitious, it's got to be something quick. It's got to be like bang bang, and then you go Mm-mm. then you kick nope. back it, in. It wouldn't
2: last. It, it might last. have. It
0: might have helped him. He might have been an MVP. True. Get rid of all his stitiousness. Stitious. Get out of your head. I spoke to Wade Boggs recently, and he told me that he had, like, 37 superstitions, and it drove him nuts, and he got rid of most of them. Name so and We ate. need to
3: get Wade Boggs on here, because I have some questions that need to be answered. Oh,
1: shit. Time.
0: Okay, fine. From Reddit. Done. Reddit. First questions. of
1: all, you two, you three, I mean, one day y'all get to read, one day you guys will dig in, but you're talking to the most superstitious dude in the world. You? Oh, oh you were? I would have never I was. That. Not anymore, but I, I didn't was. not know that. Oh, man. Come on. You
2: guys never read any articles about AJ needing to like step out, out of bed? Insane. And I Literally did it every day. With the foot
1: first? Yeah, like <laughs> oh. who was pitching was what foot had to hit the ground for when yeah. I got out of bed. It was all kinds of crazy Holy stuff. Shit. And you, you had to give Herm
3: Snyder a couple hugs before the game started, didn't no, you? No, I
1: stayed away from that.
3: Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> no. I,
1: time
2: for that. I didn't Herm go in the training room. Story. Ask
1: Herm. I never was in the training room. Bull! I don't believe
2: that one bit. Scottie. I was never you never the to, training room. Scotty, you need to you need to read. There was nothing in the training room with Herm, so that's why you had to stay out of there. But <laughs> you you need to re- you need to read some of the articles about AJ. Was it Sports Illustrated that yeah, did the Rick article Riley about your spread at your house? Well, I
1: read told, all those articles. I've only I only told two people the, the the whole day. One was Harmony Killabrew, late yeah. grade Harmony Kilbrew. and he couldn't. We did it one day on Twins Caravan in like Fargo, North Dakota. And it took me two over two hours to go through it all, and he couldn't stop laughing. Holy! And then Rick Riley sat down in the 05 World Series with me. And goes, I heard this crazy story. Tell me, and I went through it with him. And it was after a game, and it was again, it was like two hours.
0: But I've been, I basically live with you. I don't see any of that anymore. I don't do it anymore because I don't play. Don't you feel better? I no, like kind of free and liberated. See, it wasn't
1: a, it wasn't a superstition. It was a, it was just my day. Yeah. Like there was no like, I. It wasn't like. It was more of, as a baseball player, you have routines. Yep. And so that was part of my routine. If I broke the routine, that's why I didn't get a hit. It wasn't because I suck.
0: Right. It was the superstition fault.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. why you have those. Even it's though good. it doesn't really matter. It's at a the good end. excuse.
0: Exactly. It's like, good. I still
1: have a pair of shorts that I wore to, like, every game, like, when Florida was good in football, and I won't throw away. And my wife's like, get rid of those damn shorts. I'm like, no, they might have some wins. Still. That's called to hoarding. Them. I might have to bring them back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right. Um, we will do that we will blow that out at some point i want to hear all about it no we don't have enough time well we'll do a custom social segment or something like that all right let's do the end here uh for slap hands military base of the day naval submarine base new london in connecticut primary united states navy east coast submarine base also known as home of the submarine force they've got 16 attack submarines A.K. don't fuck with us that's how that ever been on up is no have you yeah Really? Are they are they cool? I would not they to, balling? I would
1: not want to spend the time with those sailors, so thank you.
2: On <laughs> not, those a, not a chance. You can't be tall. You can't be tall no. in, the, in one of those
1: things. No, you so can't, can't be is, tall.
0: Can't no. be claustrophobic. No, probably tall. can't be superstitious. Claustrophobic. Uh-uh. I'm done. No, no thanks. And
1: think, Imagine that they go out on like six-week tours, and only two people know where they are, the, the captain and the navigator. Mm-hmm. They go out in the ocean, ooh, wherever they go, and they next time they see the sunlight... Is right back where
0: they started. That is wild. No, no, thanks. So appreciate you big time. We salute you. And now time for Kratz hats. Turn it around. What do we got? Well,
2: um, because MLB t- uh, released more of the Copa Copa something. I'm not sure what it's called, but they they released more of the hats that they're gonna or uniforms actually that they're gonna put out for Latin Heritage. This is the Vigantes from Scranton. It's actually a pretty sick hat with a sick uniform. You know, they give away the uniform and it creates awareness for, you know, a lot of Latin heritage in areas that minor league teams are in. And this is actually like a character from like Latin folklore called the Vigrantes. But I don't know the full story behind it, but there's some really, really cool hats. Everybody's got to check it out.
0: That might be my favorite one so far. Yeah. That is Dude, a if you go on, really is cool design. Copa
1: de la Diversion. Uh, there's some sick logos on here. I'm looking at it right now. The Lehigh so Valley awesome. Mama Jama. Mama Juana. Mama Juana. No, not Mama Juana. <laughs> Mama, Mama, Mama Juana. Mama Juana. <laughs> Mama Juana. Mama is a drink in the
2: Dominican. Well, yeah. That's what
1: it is. It's the drink in yeah. the Dominican. Hell yeah. Running around the bat on his shoulder. Come on. Yeah. That's like Viagra in a well, in a bottle. Well, you played in Scranton. Tell us about it. Or
2: Lehigh Valley.
0: (laughs)
1: Uh
2: I played in Lehigh Valley. Exactly. You had some Mama Juana. There's not much to do there.
0: So, you know, get the juices flowing a little bit. All right. We got to get out of here. All right. Lastly, um, phrase we didn't get to do it. I think it's the first time we've had you since. Congratulations, he's gonna do a little Yes Network action, so we're, we're, we'll get the insight on the Yanks, but here's the oh, thing, yeah. Frazier, we gotta fix the cough before we go on TV. They're not <laughs> as know, nice man. as us. You start coughing on the air near uh, Michael K or something, yeah. he's gonna have you out of there. I, I don't
3: know what I'm gonna do.
0: We gotta get you Thank better. Thank you. Hey, uh, Get him some Mama wana.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> also, uh, Juan Uribe, happy birthday. I know you're not watching, you don't speak English. You've played in the US for like 30 years, you still don't speak English, but...
2: My boy made That's the a last boy. down
1: in the 2005 World Series, Juan Uribe. Never, he couldn't tell us all four of our names. He played with me for like seven years. I played with him on two different teams. He barely knew my name. Incredible. One of the best.
0: Happy birthday, Juan. What a show. That was fun. Thanks to Drellick and Michaelis. Here's how you subscribe. Listen to AJ or he'll kick your ass. Make it a superstitious thing. Every morning, 11 a.m. Eastern. Although we'll announce a time change next week to the show during the regular season. See you on Thursday. Did I get that right? Today, Wednesday? It is. Cool. See you Thursday.